welcome back to the Sakis podcast, Making Adjustments, where we take a thoughtful dive into an element of culture or a current event that could benefit from a few healthy adjustments. If you're new here, Sakis is the Sexual Assault Counseling and Information Service, and we serve survivors of sexual violence as well as their significant others in the Eastern Illinois area. It's our mission to end sexual violence in society, and we recognize the intersections of identities and different backgrounds and experiences all contribute to a culture of violence and oppression. So this month is February, and it's Valentine's Day. A lot of our focus is on healthy relationships, having conversations about consent and boundaries, open communication, red flags. Um, how to be a safe and loving partner in your relationships, whether they're new or old, casual or committed, um, whatever. Everyone deserves to be loved in a safe and healthy way. So we wanted to take some time today to talk about a specific sector of the dating world um, that's grown and grown in the past several years. And it can be a great thing, but also has the potential to be a dangerous thing when it is um, abused by people or when people are ill-informed and unaware of how to use these, and that's dating apps. So I'm joined by Taylor, one of our interns here this semester. Taylor, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, my name is Taylor, and I'm an intern for the spring. My pronouns are she, her. Um, a little bit about me is that I just graduated from Eastern with degrees in sociology and criminology, and then I'm starting a program at Eastern for my master's in college student affairs over the summer, so I'm super excited, and I'm super excited to be here as well. Well, thank you so much for being here and for doing um, so much research for this episode. Um, we kind of talked beforehand, and we felt like it was really important um, and would be more effective instead of... Um, just giving our opinions to get the opinions of real people that are using dating apps. Um, so Taylor conducted a little survey for us to find out what people thought about the safety of dating apps. Taylor, do you want to share a little bit about what you found? Yeah, of course. So for my survey, 65 people completed it. And one of the questions on the survey was how comfortable people were with dating apps and like mm -hmm. how safe they felt using the dating apps. So 41.5% of the respondents ranked their comfort with using dating apps at a three or lower, which means that they ranged from being super uncomfortable to having an average level of comfort. Um, and then to kind of accompany that, 70.8% of the respondents ranked their comfort level with making in-person plans with someone that they met on these dating apps at three or a lower. So almost half of the respondents were sort of like uncomfortable with the concept yeah. of using dating apps, but then almost three quarters of the respondents were sort of skeptical when it came to making in-person plans right. with these people. So I thought that was super interesting then um, only 20% of the respondents ranked their, like, how safe they perceived it to be a four or a five, meaning that only 20% of the people felt that they were very safe or completely safe. But that's actually not true, because mm -hmm. then I did some research as well with RAIN, the RAIN website. Yeah. And they said that dating apps don't conduct criminal background checks on users. Oh, and wow. um, so really there's not... Any specific level of safety that all dating apps require, like all of yeah. them have their little safety blurb, you mm -hmm. know, in the right. setting yeah. or whatever, <laughs> but there's nothing that's really done to ensure that like all the users are safe on these apps. Yeah. 
Um, so it kind of seems like the consensus is that people in, in general don't really have absolute faith in the safety of dating apps. Right. Um, I guess I have a couple ideas as to why maybe that is that people think that, but were you surprised by your findings or is that kind of what you expected? I was sort of surprised that almost half of the people weren't super comfortable with using dating apps because I feel like they've just sort of become not a staple in society, but it's very rare that you hear people who have just never right. They're really a dating common. App. Right. When I think about it, um, I guess there's a big vulnerability to putting yourself out there anyways, like to dating and then to do it in a virtual setting. You're adding to that pressure um, because you don't know who someone is. Like you don't know um, if they actually are who they say they are or who they present themselves mm -hmm. to be. Um, and you don't know their intentions online. So that can be super intimidating for anyone, let alone someone who may have like experienced intimate partner violence or abuse or manipulation in a relationship or sexual assault in the past. And then I also think that there's a lot in the media that gets circulated about dating apps too. Yes. Um, whether it's on like TV shows or whether it's like true crime podcasts or it talks about like someone, you know, going on a date from a dating app and never being seen or heard from again. I think that that definitely influences how people think about it, but also social media, like, there's so many TikToks. Um, it's like a trend. I think people will meet people on like Tinder or Bumble or other dating apps. And then they will intentionally ruin the date or like act ridiculous on the date for really? the story and like for the TikTok. And then people think that it's really funny, which I'm not sure what I think about that because it's kind of abusive and manipulative to do that to yeah. someone. If both parties are playing along for the sake of a TikTok, I think that that's fine. But if someone doesn't know and they're just like in the dark and being used, that's kind of really toxic and unhealthy. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I would personally advise against that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but then also like these are a little bit older, but I always think of the MTV TV shows too, Ghosted, Catfish. Yes. Those are like staples that I think people, at least I know when I was like, a middle schooler and teenager watching those, I was thinking <laughs> online dating is so unsafe. Um, it's so scary and nobody is who they say they are. Obviously that's not always true. Um, but I think that that's maybe why like the public perception of them um, is that they might not be the safest. So yeah, it's a risk overall. They're absolutely safety concerns. We can't really give you a hard and fast answer here. It's whether or not you should use dating apps. We just want to give you the information so that you're empowered um, yourself to make the decision that's best and most comfortable for you when it comes to dating options. So with that, let's get into some pros and cons of dating apps. Taylor, do you have some pros you'd like to share? Yeah, for sure. I've got five. Um, so one of the biggest pros I think that comes with dating apps is that it gives you the potential to meet nearby people that maybe you wouldn't have met otherwise because... For example, um, you could change the distance settings on like Tinder and Bumble. Yeah. Um, so you can meet people who go to like Indiana State or mm -hmm. University of Illinois. Um, and maybe you wouldn't have crossed paths with them had, you know, had you not got on Tinder right. because you go to, let's say, Eastern Illinois or Lakeland. Um, so it really helps kind of meet people, mm -hmm. um, even people who are local that maybe just are a little bit older, a little bit younger, they're in different friend groups, yeah. maybe they're just in Mattoon and you're in Charleston and you're not from here. 
It can also help you reconnect with people you haven't talked to in a while because sometimes people swipe right on people they recognize. Right. Just because like they know them, but even that can lead to a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's convenient. Right. Because you can <laughs> use them on your own time. So if you like to swipe in the morning and then you go about your day and you come home and swipe at night, talk at night, it's all at your fingertips. Um, it's also easy way to meet people if you're new to the area. Um, yeah, because I never thought about that. So, like Bumble has a BFF setting. They also have a connection setting. So even if you're not looking for something romantic, you can find friends on there. Mm-hmm. Or if you're on Tinder, for example, that only has the dating option, right. you can put in your bio, like, I'm looking for friends, I'm new to the area, whatever. And whether or not people read the bio, I, sometimes right. they do, sometimes they don't. <laughs> but at least you're throwing out there what you're yeah. looking for. And it can also be used sort of as a screening tool. So if you're talking to someone, you can kind of get a vibe check for like a better terminology. Yeah. Um, and you can sort of see how you're feeling about them before uh, agreeing to like make plans with them or even giving them a phone number or a Snapchat because you can unmatch someone on Tinder and never talk to them again. But, yeah. you know, once they have a more personal way of reaching you. Yeah, like your Snapchat or your phone number, right. like you said. Right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um. Yeah, those are really good pros. Um, you made some valid points. And I guess I forgot about this, but I have a friend who they like to use, I think it's Tinder when they travel um, mm-hmm. to new places and they just kind of reach out to locals, let them know that they're traveling and then ask them for like recommendations on like places to eat and things to do in the area. Um, not like you said, they're not using it really for any romantic purposes. Um, they're just using it to get the most out of their trip, which is a good pro. Um, but you know, all good things, there's generally a bad side. So I'm assuming you have some cons too. I do. And a lot of them are sort of, they kind of impact you more than just being general the way that the pros were. Mm -hmm. So ghosting is super big on dating apps and that can be dehumanizing. It can also cause mental health issues because, you know, if you get ghosted, especially if you think the conversation is going really well and nothing seems wrong, you could be like, oh, like, am I just not worth your time? Did I mess up? Right. Because even if the ghosting is accidental where, like, you think you responded and then you don't respond, but then too much time has passed, so you kind of feel bad. Yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> right. But that can be dehumanizing. It can also put your safety at risk. Yeah. So um, not everyone is who they say they are, obviously, online. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's Catfish and all these shows that prove that. But then to tie back to the survey... Um, 29.2 of the participants in it experienced an instance where they made plans to meet with someone they met up and it wasn't who they said it was. Oh my gosh. That's kind of like, that's a big number. That's more than I was hoping it would be. (laughs) So that was kind of alarming. That's also kind of sad because that's never happened to me. I hope it never does. But I would be like, oh God. Okay. (laughs) And it can also create indecisiveness um, because if you're talking to multiple people, you can have difficulty sort of deciding or committing to one person to pursue a relationship with. And you're kind of playing your own mini game of The Bachelor, Uh, I guess, for lack of better comparison. Um, So then it becomes a constant comparison game. Like, oh, well, this match has this going for them, but this match has this. But it's like, what do you value more? Mm -hmm. What do you like more? And it also kind of gives you the mentality of like, oh, well, if it doesn't work out with person A, I can move on to person B. But people aren't disposable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You may like get that mentality. And while I love to watch like The Bachelor on TV, it's totally unhealthy and not real life. And I wouldn't want to live that. (laughs) Right. 
I don't like I would feel bad doing that, but some people, you know, they're like, oh, this is a game to me. Right. Um, it can also dating apps can increase higher likelihoods of unwanted sexual advances and superficial conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, because the amount of times that I've gotten matched I've matched with people and then they message me something really sexual in the beginning and I'm like, Oh, I'm not yeah. interested. Mm-hmm. Because in the bio you know, I say I'm looking for a relationship and they didn't read it or whatever. So then they're asking inappropriate questions and I'm not here for right. it. But it can also just be sort of superficial in a sense that people kind of use it just to kind of like an intro piece. They don't really dive into deeper conversations. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends made a joke that talking for 10 days on Tinder is a really long time to be talking to somebody. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it shouldn't be that way because in yeah. reality, 10 days isn't that long to know somebody. Mm-hmm. If 10 days are talking and you decide to meet, the conversations maybe weren't deep enough, so you meet them in person and it's not. Yeah. Like a vibe like they thought was. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And like you said earlier, it's easier to be someone that you're not. Yeah. So it's easier to fall prey to catfish. Yeah. I agree with you on all those. Um, Those are some really good ones. And I think, like, another thing, too, is that there are very real stigmas around, like, specific dating apps that can be reflected onto the person who uses that app like especially female users and genderqueer users I think so like I remember when Bumble came out um it was kind of marketed more as empowering to women because women got to make the decisions or whatever yeah um but on social media the narrative quickly turned to like Bumbles for like control freak women who need to be in charge and emasculate men, which is really untrue. But then if you're the one using that, people might view you that way anyways. Mm-hmm. Tinder, largely viewed as a hookup app. Um, and a lot of girls that I've known have been called sluts and whores and yes. things like that are just promiscuous for being on Tinder. Even though I have several friends who literally are married now and met their partner on tinder Mm -hmm. so it's not just a hookup app and then of course you have like the niche dating apps that carry the same stigmas and stereotypes that maybe that niche does so like um there's religious ones um age specific ones like our time silver singles i think you have to be over 50 but like those can maybe carry some ageism in if, if people see that you're using those um, my personal favorite is Farmers Only. <laughs> I think that they have the catchiest jingles, and I used to absolutely crack up at their commercials in high school. This is kind of a silly question, but if you were going to create a dating app like that, what do you know what it would be? Have any idea? Like if it had to specifically cater to one population? Yeah. Honestly, I think I would make one for foodies. Oh, that's good. I don't know what I would call it. I, it'd probably have some alliteration because I love alliteration. Yeah. But like on some apps you can mark your interests mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who use dating apps they have like a very certain set of hobbies and looking for people who also want that set of hobbies yeah but i think if, if there is a site for foodies you know you, you can try new things together and you can I recommend like restaurants and stuff like that that's really because good. especially <laughs> in charleston there aren't that many food options that aren't no. fast food and i'm always down to try new food mm-hmm. so you know if i match with someone from Terre Haute. And they say, oh, you like sushi? There's a really good sushi place here. We need to try it. Okay, so there's a date and you both love sushi. Oh, I love that. That's a million dollar (laughs) idea right there. Um, I guess the one that I thought of was really similar to that, but I think mine would match people specifically based on their opinions on pets. Okay. Like dog people and cat people people or like no pet people or like I have some friends that are like reptilian people and they have like a bunch of lizards and snakes in their home. And that's something that on a regular dating app, 
you might be like weary of that, but you wouldn't find out until you knew them well enough mm-hmm. to go to their house and see all of their reptiles. And like, this would just totally <laughs> get that out. Also, yes. I think pets are a big thing and they're like a deal breaker for in sure. relationships for a lot of people. Okay. So we would be totally remiss if we went through um, this whole conversation about dating app safety, uh, pros and cons, and then didn't actually give any tips or guidance on how to <laughs> Uh, use dating apps in a safe way. So let's talk a little bit about that. How do we stay safe while using dating apps? So I have a couple of different answers for that. I have some that are based just on my research, and then I have a couple of tips, again, from the RAIN website. I love RAIN. Yeah, me too. Um, (laughs) So the two most common tactics that participants of my survey use to stay safe was to Snapchat their match and try to find resemblance between the pictures on their profile and the selfies they were sending. Yeah. 92.3% of people who took the survey do that. And I think that's a really good idea because if they're not willing to show their face or they don't look like who they say they are, like I know people say that facial hair makes a huge difference, but mm-hmm. you could tell you can. someone with a beard versus without, but if they look like a completely different person, that's probably a really strong indicator that <laughs> something is wrong. Yeah. And then 83.1% of respondents tried to find their match on social media to confirm their identity. And that can also be super helpful because then you can see they're a real person. You can also get more insight to who they are as an individual. Yeah. And I know sometimes that's sort of difficult. Like, for example, okay, so my current boyfriend, we met on Tinder, we matched on Tinder, whatever. This boy does not have any social media at all. I stopped him for days. (laughs) And um, so I was like, I have absolutely no clue who you are. I found his mom. Oh, that's good. (laughs) But even I was like, okay, I don't know. I don't know anything about you, but we're going to try it because we texted for a super long time before we met. So those are two really good ways just to stay safe in a super easy sense. Yeah. Because pictures can't lie. Right. If they're, you know, live or if they only send you on Snapchat, like save pictures to their phone, mm. that also might be sort of red flag. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then from the Rain website, the first one I found, and I think this is a really important one for safety, is to tell a friend where you're going or just share your location while you're out on this date. Yeah. Um, because that way, if something does happen and you're not on your phone, you're separated from your phone, someone has your location or at least your last known location and they kind of have a good place to start. Yeah. Or even telling them, hey, this is what I know about the person I'm seeing. This is their picture. Mm-hmm. So that way there's yeah. something there. Yeah. Hopefully it never comes to that, but just in case. Right. Yeah. And then a second one is just to not rely on your date for transportation mm-hmm. when you're um, having a first date and also try to make that first date in a public space because driving separately, it prevents you from being obliged to give a stranger your address, first of all. So that way, if yeah. it does go badly, they don't know where you live. You can just get in your car and I go. Believe, yeah. And then meeting in like a neutral public location, again, protects your privacy with the address, but also other people would be around. So if someone was being up with you and they don't have the best intentions, they might feel less inclined to act on their ill intentions Mm -hmm. because they're in public and there's witnesses. Yeah. Or hopefully someone would be there that's been through bystander training and they would notice that (laughs) ideally. Right. And I think even with like the meeting in person thing, I think it also kind of takes a sense of like stress off because I feel like there's sort of a power shift if someone comes over to your residence for the first time or you go there because like that's familiar ground for them, but it's not for you. So you don't know where you're going. You don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Especially a first time. And what if it doesn't go well? It would just be awkward if you were at their house or if you had to ride in the same car home with them after a bad date. (laughs) Yes. 
And then the last one I found is just to trust your gut because if something feels off, it probably oh, is yeah. off. Mm -hmm. And that is good enough reason for you to leave. Um, because like there's a difference between feeling nervous about meeting someone, but then also feeling like something's not right. Yeah. So you shouldn't try to convince yourself that you're just nervous yep. um, because those types of nerves are just different and you know yourself better than anyone. Mm -hmm. So, well, those were some, some great tips and thank you so much, Taylor, for being on today. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on this episode of making adjustments. If you would like to learn more about SACUS and the services that we offer, you can visit our website at www.sacus.org. Have a great day and a wonderful week.